Hi again, everybody. Jungle Jim Jerome coming out with another episode of Inside Curling. And I uh, set myself up on my patio. I thought maybe I would do it outside. It'd be uh, <laughs> see if we can do minus, minus 35. Good God. Why do we live here with our two buddies? Our <laughs> Warren Hansen. Who just, Warren just loves when it's cold here. It's like, hey, Jim, <laughs> is it cold there? Yes, Warren. It's international news, you know, that it's cold. Warren Hanson, our World Curling Hall of Famer, and, of course, Kevin Martin, uh, who's back with us. Kev, it, it took you about, a, I don't know, a year and a half to get back from down south. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy to get home. No, not at all. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you to all our great sponsors. Uh, we want to thank Jackpot City, who brings you what's happening around the curling world, Coyote Tractor, Hot Rock Topics, and Goldline, who brings you in the house. And we have yet another world-class guest coming up shortly. And I've got a couple stories about him. That's scary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good ones. Okay. Uh, our guest today on the show is Kevin Cooey coming up shortly. It was the Aztec Safety Challenge concluded in Lloydminster, and the coup won that thing. He's quiet, is he, folks? Yeah, just as Kevin says, just holding up that check and that gold medal, going, yeah, I don't know. Is this loud enough? <laughs> Well done, Kevin. Uh, the fifth Grand Slam going to be underway this week in Red Deer, the Co-op Canadian Challenge. We're going to talk about that. A couple of emails that we got. Good ones, as a matter of fact. I like the guy. Uh, here's a little teaser from one of the emails. This guy, Kevin, wants to build, both Kevins, wants to build a rink in Florida. That's a great spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great spot to go curling. We're going to talk about that. Uh, some other chatter this week on uh, what are we hearing Curling Canada, what are they supposed to do? What's their main role? Are they high performance? Are they grassroots? Uh, we love this topic, so we're going to uh, weigh in on that. In the House is brought to you by Goldline. Goldline Curling's Momentum shoes are unbelievably comfortable with a fast, reliable slider and a gripper that will keep you steady on the ice. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. Come on in. Kevin Cooey is our guest. Kev, how are you, man? Congratulations. What a fabulous victory this week. Hey, thanks. Yeah, doing great. Obviously, it was a good week for us, for sure. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a couple things to tell you, Kevin. Um, I was doing briars. You and I uh, would have met a long time ago, and uh, I was never one to leave the patch very early, uh, and I'd show up early, and uh, it the... 10 days of doing, people don't understand what 10 days of partying is like. And uh, I was right there. The most fun I ever had at a briar was in Halifax, hands down, okay, in 2010. And uh, I've, I slithered into the airport, okay, I was going to miss my plane, going, good God, take me now, I've had enough. And I got on the plane late, and I looked at my seat, and I'm going, I just want to go to sleep. And as I get to the back of the plane, I hear Kevin go, go, Jimmy, get back here, baby. Okay. And we went for another day traveling through Toronto. And uh, God, we had a riot. That was, that was a great time. And uh, Kev, you've, you've been doing it a long time now. Uh, you know, last week we talked on our show about <clears throat> sort of the new crew who's coming in with a bunch of young guys. And you knock out a really good field. Uh, talk, talk about how you did it basically essentially a slam field i guess i mean i think you had nine of the top 10 teams in the world i think we're only missing one so 
uh, unbelievable field. And, um, you know, we've lost a lot of close games this year uh, to some good teams, it seems. Um, and we, we haven't been able to knock off a lot of good teams. So this week was the uh, our top teams, I guess. I mean, everyone's good these days. But, uh, you know, this week was a little different. We, uh, just, you know, made some key shots at the right time, got got the got the odd miss at the right time. And um, by far our, our best week of the year. So, uh, you know, encouraging encouraging for us hopefully we can just keep getting better uh like you said we got a new team couple young guys um still probably learning new positions a little bit so it might take some time but uh you know hopefully that'll kind of key us up to a really good second half of the year did you uh going into the event kevin uh like you said it was the the best you've ever curled uh you just said you had to you know you had to get better leading into it did you make a conscious decision to change some of the way you played going into the event? Uh, not necessarily strategy-wise, I don't think. I mean, we, we, you know, we were really busy in the fall. We probably borderline too busy maybe and just didn't really have a, enough time to practice as a team. So, you know, everyone had a good break over Christmas, but then started getting back on the ice. We got together in, in Edmonton before we went to Lloyd. And, uh, you know, that seemed to help. And hopefully, you know, the events are a little more scattered here in, in the winter. So get a little more training uh, before events. And hopefully, you know, hopefully that trend continues where we can, uh, you know, keep keep winning. Yeah. Is the schedule too thick, Kevin? I, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, teams can pick their own schedules, right? So you choose what what you want to play. But um, obviously, you're gonna you're gonna play the slams, and there's there's a few other great events that 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 uh, you don't want to miss. Uh, ones like obviously Lloyd Minster, unbelievable event for a first year event, and you know other other events like Penticton's great event, Okotoks. So. Um, you, you pick your own poison if you want to want to play a lot and um for us we uh you know we're in a different situation where we're trying to still kind of chase that wild that last wild card spot for the briar so maybe if we had had one had that locked up maybe we would have played a little a little less but uh you know it's all hindsight now you are one happy kevin i know another happy kevin with your victory is Kevin Martin. Uh, over to you, Martino. <laughs> no, I, I always stay unbiased. Yeah, Jim. sure. <laughs> you know, try watching the games, but but Kev, I did watch a lot of the games. Obviously, uh, this weekend. Um, well, let's talk about. I, I didn't even think about talking about this, but I, I kind of want to now. Uh, how does it set up as far as that last Briar spot? Where where is that exactly at right now with, with your team? I was trying to figure it out. Only reason I ask, I went on the computer and tried to figure it out today. It's not that easy to figure out. So, no, where, where, where's it at? Yeah, and I—I I mean, I have no clue. I ask my my young kids on my team who know every everything about the points. It seems so. You know, I think we'll be in the lead for it now. But uh, playing Reed in the final, obviously, that was a great event for them as well. So they won't be too far behind. So. This will be a, a big week. There's a couple other teams on kind of the edge, like McEwen, but you're one really good slam away here this week from getting a lot of points and jumping up the leaderboard. So uh, for us, you know, we, we need another another solid event. It seems for us we've either been, you know, 
finals or bust, which is which is strange. We've made four finals and this year, and we've really had a bunch of not in the playoffs, not qualifying. So it's been real up and down. But uh, like I said, hopefully for the second half of the year, we can keep it going. Well, it makes sense that it's a little bit up and down. With uh, you got uh, uh, Goche, who's new on the crew, which is and young, and he's still Tyler Tardy's still young. He's still young too. Um, watching this week though. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on for first, uh, Tyler. You know, you watch sometimes, and 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 uh, he tends to be a little bit young, a little bit sloppy out there with certain shots. But near the end of events, uh, last year's Briar played pretty darn good, and uh, and and this week uh, seems to be maturing a little um, with consistency. Your thoughts on his play, uh, not just this weekend, but but overall this whole year? Because to your point, it's either. It's either do not qualify or darn near win it or win it. Yeah, I mean, Tyler would be the first to say it's it's probably been up and down. And, um, you know, I, I tried to tell him this. I He basically, you know, just ran his own show in juniors and just kind of relied on shot making and like you can in juniors. And it's it's a bit of a different ball game these days, especially with the strength of fields. Last year... The second half of the year, like uh, provincials, Briar players, he he was amazing, and you really need that these days. I mean, you you need to be all kind of firing, especially at the back end position, playing the teams you're going to be playing in the playoffs. So, yeah, he had a he had a great final, but I think yeah, like what I was trying to get at was, I think it's hard to learn a new position, especially a young guy, and then all of a sudden you're in all the slams and all the big events, and you're you're trying to learn how to play third and you know you might think it's it's pretty easy to just move down a position but you know third can be harder at times where you have to be more precise you don't have a lot of like draw the four foot draw the eight foot that a skip has you have a lot more freezes run backs chases and uh, it's challenging so I think he's still learning you know his resume speaks for itself um, you know in juniors and then and then coming out of juniors, so I think he's just going to get more, keep getting more comfortable, and uh, that'll be good for us. I mean, we we'll talk a little bit about Jock, um, but I think now, if I'm not wrong, I think now you guys played curling this last weekend, but I think Karik he got uh, two minutes for tripping on uh, on on one of your uh, on one of the rocks. But what what happened there? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I mean, when I Watching it come down the ice, I I just thought Tyler fell. And then uh, we were making fun of him after the game, Jock and I. And, and uh, yeah, he filled us in that, uh, you know, Kark basically just kicked him out of the way and he basically fell flat on his side lucky he didn't uh, didn't hit the rock so yeah when you see the when you see the video uh it's it's actually pretty funny and uh and that it makes a makes a lot more sense for sure helmets I think it's helmets on, yeah helmets i think it's on your social media isn't it kev it is, yeah. It's, yeah. it's 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 pretty funny, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then just uh, quickly before uh, we let Warren in here, uh, your thoughts on uh, Jacques? Because he's now he's just he's new to uh, really to this extreme level and and having to play you know head to head with uh, Sebastiano or or you name it, so many great seconds he's having to go head to head with. You kind of learn on the fly again. Another another guy on our team, new position from Skip the second starting to sweep again 
playing against all the top seconds, playing in the big events. So, um, you know, he's having a blast. He's really fit in great on our team. Uh, keeps us loose, kind of a different personality that fits in well for us, you know, especially especially for Tyler, I think. So, uh, again, similar to Tyler, a year behind maybe in, in terms of being in these these kind of events. Again, you know, the, the resume, the talent, it's obvious, and, you know, we just got to kind of fine-tune it and get them all firing at the same time. You bet. Hey, thanks, Kev. Warren, go ahead. Kevin, thanks for joining us, and congratulations. Great win. And again, watching you guys all year, I think you suggested yourself that you've been really, really close uh, so many times, lost a lot of close games. Watching again this weekend, I, I thought maybe Jacques Gaucher was learning that position a little bit better. He seemed a little sharper, and, and possibly he provided you a little more of an edge than he has, I thought, maybe throughout the year. Could that have been the case? He's just getting a little more comfortable with that spot? Yeah, for sure. I started to notice it before Christmas, maybe the last slam, um, a lot sharper, probably just more comfortable too. I mean, new team, big events, um, you know, a, a lot of new things for him, new positions. So definitely getting more confident, getting more comfortable. He's had some good practice sessions too as a team and uh, started to play really, really solid and uh that's what you need. It like Kev said, you're going up against, I don't know the, the Galants, the Rasmus, who, whoever. I mean, all those top teams. Uh, that's kind of how I look at it. You got to look at you when you get on the sheet. You got to look across who you're playing at your position and and try and take them down. And uh, when you look at who you're playing, some some games that. Doesn't look very appealing. I don't think <laughs> these, these days it's it's uh, it's a lot harder than it used to be for sure. Let's go back and look at the Alberta playdowns for a moment because I think Alberta is going to be probably the most interesting provincial in the men's. In the fact, there's three teams in the top ten of the Canadian team ranking system, so it's going to make it uh, a challenge. So let's just take a look at the moment. So the top three: Botcher, Gushu, and Dunstan are all in. Now, as of today, this might not have the update from yesterday yet in it, but right now Mike McCune is showing his number four, you're number five, Reed Crothers is six, and then Aaron Solinsky is number seven. So looking at this, if McCune can win Saskatchewan and Crothers can win Manitoba, uh, in Alberta, if uh, you and Solinsky make the final, you're both in. But not too far behind you is Karsten Sturme. He's currently number 10 on the Canadian team ranking list. So it's going to be, I think, probably the most interesting provincial in Canada. Would you not think the fact that uh, three of you are going to be vying for the uh, provincial spot, but probably in all likelihood, the other ones are going to be going as well? Yeah, it, it looks like that. And you don't, it seems in the past few years, you don't get too many upsets at provincials anymore. And it's kind of the way it, it has been since the wild card come in that, uh, there's been a couple Alberta teams back when we were playing Botcher this year. We obviously don't have to, but Slachinski, like you said, really on the rise, I think. Starting to get into bigger events like the Slams, get that experience. They lost a couple bad ones this week or or they should have been in they should have been in the playoffs. So we played them in the semifinal last year. So I've played them in the semifinal years some other year before at Provincials too. So so um Good team, getting better, uh, and, you know, it's good. You want to go to Provincials and have a challenge, and um, it's the best prep for us as far as for the Briar. So, but again, you always want to wear your 
provincial colors versus any kind of you know wild card jersey if we can for sure <laughs> yeah wild card where is that <laughs> yeah so it's interesting alberta looks like the men could have three and of course manitoba the women could have three out of that province so challenging times anyway I want to ask you a question, Kevin, because we hear this so often and we're watching games on Sportsnet and Kevin Cooey is down to five seconds left and he's got to throw it right away. And so often your games are right down to the seconds when you've got to throw your final rock of the game. Tell us about that whole situation. How does all that take place and how do you manage all that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we probably call... Uh fairly aggressive game so I mean that probably leads to just using more time in general versus versus some other other teams out there um I guess I'm used to it you know over the years and you know it, it doesn't it doesn't phase me uh too much um sometimes you even maybe play better you just don't have time to think as much uh, you can get in a good good groove as a team when you're you know, you're just getting in the hack and throwing. So we've obviously had some some close ones and some big games where, you know, the clock's ticking, but I've never really felt like it, it affects how you throw it. Have you ever run out of time? No, not yet. Wow. <laughs> wow. Listen to Hanson taking you down. <laughs> well, but I'm saying that because he's had some, it's been so close, close, like two, three seconds. And that's interesting. Kevin. Well, I would like to ask you something about uh, uh, and just see if you what's going on, if anything. I don't know the answer to this, Kev. With uh, John Dunn, he was with you for many, many years. Did you still keep in touch with him as far as uh, uh, the mental part of the game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, John was our coach this year, um, and unfortunately, you know, he's had uh, kind of one of his daughters had some some very serious health health issues so uh he's had to kind of step back and and take the year off and just uh care to her and help things at home it's been very challenging but yeah we we definitely still keep in touch um yeah he was kind of my coach for geez i think it was 14 years and various teams and um he'll be the first to tell you he doesn't have a clue about how to throw a rock or the right call or even after all these years but uh brought um value in so many other ways for our various teams and um it's unfortunate wish she you know was, could still work with us this year but you know there's more important things and you know hopefully down down the road he'll he'll be back but uh yeah a great resource for us and um and we definitely miss him yeah yeah i definitely wish john all the best i did not know that uh and his family but uh, yeah, you guys were so tight forever, but you still are. He's, he can still help you behind the scenes, just not on the bench. That's all like a little, uh, a, a little different. Yep. Oh yeah. I know he still watches our games and, you know, gives a bit of feedback and he had no, he, that was one of the good things. He had no problem telling us what we were doing right or wrong. So, which is, <laughs> you know, uh, some, some of my teams or teammates, you know, we all kind of needed that at times, and uh, um, he he was very good at that, and um, among various other things. But uh, yeah, just uh, obviously it's a loss for us, but uh, you know we'll just have to keep moving on. 
Boy, that's totally interesting. I've never heard of that. A guy doesn't know how to throw a rock and doesn't know how to call a shot, and 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 he's one of the coaches, man. That's cool. Um, Kevin, I, uh, the, the sort of topic du jour over the last several months in curling has been analytics. And um, we've, you know, we talked to Rene, and uh, it's a gig for her now about analytics. It's a new ball game, relatively new. How much do you... Uh, put weight on analytics, Kevin? And if you do, which ones do you look at the most or do you care about it at all? Yeah, I'm probably a little kind of older school, I guess, being the old guy out there now that I don't look at it a, a ton. But, you know, coincidence enough, we have a team call with Renee tomorrow night to kind of go over the, <laughs> oh, there you, go. you know, review, <laughs> review the first half of the year and um, and she'll, you know, tell us where we were brutal i'm assuming or where we were good so um, but uh i mean obviously some teams play just to analytics you know as far as the ends what end it is and what you're trying to do and you know we look at that at the same time um you know i think there's other things out there that you know if, if you're playing good and think you're better than the other team sometimes you should just go out and just try and beat them and not not keep them around, kind of thing. So, there there's various approaches. I wouldn't say we're we don't we don't follow it to a T, but uh, for sure it'll help you identify some trends of you know maybe that you you don't know is happening throughout the year, certain ends or situations. So, uh, you, you got to be aware for sure a little bit. Renee might have her hands full with that meeting with you. <laughs> yeah, it'll be well. It'll be interesting. So. Yeah. Um, before you go, Kevin, uh, you've been through multiple briars that you've been to, and world champs and uh, and Olympics. You've seen the game change a lot over the last several years. Uh, briars used to be huge; they're smaller now. Some clubs are closing. We get we we talk about this a lot. But, you know, players, you know, like yourself, the, you know, one of the best in the world have to look at the growth of the game. Guju has been pretty vocal about it. Um, you guys now have some representation at the table. We talked to Laura Walker. Where do you see the game going, Kevin? Um, if you do see it going a certain way, what what would you do to keep the game hot? I, I mean, I just look back from in university and playing and, you know, you had to go in whatever club playdowns and zone playdowns and southern playdowns and provincials and you know there was a lot of teams in all those uh you know i don't know what the what would have entered provincials in in alberta but probably close to 100 i would guess back way back when and and now you know it's it's pretty pretty slim as far as number of teams but i mean i think the game has just changed in terms of uh i don't want to say talent because there was always great teams but just the gap between kind of the top teams and you know once you get to maybe 20 or so is is so different and you know I remember my my first worlds you knew you were going to be in the playoffs it it was just kind of where you know you're playing for positioning and and now you go to a if you go to a worlds or international event and I mean you know, you've got Italy, your your top team, and Sweden, Scotland, Switzerland. I mean, it's just, you know, Canada's far from a favorite anymore compared to what it used to be. You know, that, that, is, that has definitely changed where it's going to go. 
I don't know. I'll probably be done before <laughs> before it changes. So so I don't really I don't really worry about it too much. <laughs> I just kind of but playing it out and you know hoping to hoping to you know maybe win another briar and and go from there. But uh, you know it's it's good to see the the players you know having a bit of a voice. I, I still think as players it's it's not very organized as kind of an association and that could improve for sure but it's a fine line you know you you want to be representing all the players and not the top players so it's uh, can be contentious at times everyone feels like they're looking out for for themselves but hopefully the players have a voice that's you know the big events and formats and points and 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 whatever i mean it should be uh Hopefully, um, you know, we're going to Regina this year, and it seems whenever you're in kind of Alberta or Saskatchewan, they're, they're great events. And I would expect, uh, you know, the Regina Prior to be packed. And, and those are the fun events to play, and I think that's what everyone gets geared up for, and uh, hopefully we can be a part of it. Kevin Cooey, you're on a heater, baby. Uh, as they say, you, what, you won Lloyd Minster. You're on your way to Red Deer. You got a good big fight ahead of you. You're going to be great to watch uh, to try and get into the Briar. Uh, I'll have you know, Kevin. Before you go, a big part of our show now during big events. It was Warren's idea too, by the way. Is we we make picks who's going to win? Okay. <laughs> Kevin was on the road this week, so Warren and I did it. Allow me, Kevin, <laughs> to go to my pick. I'll take Cooey and Carruthers in the final, and I'll take Cooey to win, baby. Thank you, Jimmy Boy. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations, Kev. And I'm picking you again, man, for Red Deer. And uh, I might, I'm going to blast down there and watch you guys play, so uh, I'll run into you. Kevin Gray, uh, keep it going, man. Good, good for you. Great rebound. And uh, uh, we'll watch for you this weekend as well. Thanks a lot for joining us, Kev. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks, Kev. Thanks, Kevin. Good. Good luck. Cheers. Uh, there he goes, uh, the one and only Kevin Cooey. Uh, like I said, boys, he wasn't very quiet when I walked on the plane after he won that Halifax Friar. And uh, we had a we had a great uh, four hour flight on the way home from Toronto. I like Kevin. I, I I like the way he slips under the radar. I'm gonna go out on a limb here, boys. No analytics for Kevin Cooey. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> oh, oh, like like Kevin said, he's a little bit old. School. Yeah, I'll tell old you what, it, he's an no old dog. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds to me if Renee if Renee can convince him, okay, she should get a raise immediately. Yeah. Uh, anyway, way to go, Kevin Cooey. Thanks for joining us. Good luck this week. Speaking of that, what's happening around the curling world? Brought to you by Jackpot City, Jackpot City Casino Games, perfectly made for you. Kev, give what what do you think of the the whole event in Lloydminster? Yeah, you know, I really wanted to get out there for Sunday, but as you know, I had trouble getting back to Canada, so I couldn't get there. Darn it! Yeah. I really wanted to. Um, but uh, hats off, hats off to uh, the Aztec Safety Challenge presented by Wild Rose Pump and Compression. Man, what a great job! I watched quite a bit of it. Warren, you might be able to help me here. The, the stream was really well done, in my opinion. I thought they did just a heck of a job, but I don't know who did it. Well, it was the same people that did the event in Penticton. 
Hey, help us out out in the uh, curling land here and send us an email. Because I, 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 what do you think, Warren? I, I thought it was a really good job. I thought they did a very good job. It was as probably good as you can do under the circumstances of in a curling club, uh, eight sheets of ice going, uh, very little limited space to work from. And I thought with all those things into consideration and the camera work was pretty good as well, I thought. So hats off to them for the, or to the company who did the stream because uh, you did a pretty good job. Cool. And next show, next show, uh, we'll we'll talk about the company. I, we just don't know right. right now. So we need some help and uh, and people will give it to us. Um, the field was incredible. And I'll go through that a little bit here in just a second. Ice was looked really good. Really good playing conditions under incredibly tough circumstances. Lloyd Minster, Jimmy, I think was around minus 50, a little bit colder. I know at the farm, so mom and dad, mom and dad only live about, uh, it'll be a little over an hour from from Lloyd. On which which morning was it? 7 a.m. on, I think, Saturday morning, um, Carrick actually sent me the the temperature in the country by Lougheed, Alberta. Yeah. Minus 63, including wind chill. Come on. Nope. Minus 63, 7 a.m. Now, it warmed right up to 62, uh, minus 62 an hour later, but minus 63 was the bottom. And they made fantastic ice in Lloyd. So just hats off to the whole organizing committee and the ice makers. Garg uh, said the, the place was packed with people the whole time, Good. too, Good um, in that kind of temperature, which is unbelievable. But I want to talk about the, the field just for just a second here. I know we talked to Kevin quite a bit about this great event uh, as well, but... When you look at world rankings, you know, when you're running a bond spiel, you really want some of the top teams. Now, you want young teams, too, and you want international teams, so on. But it's really important to be able to get the crowd out, like Lloyd was sold out completely, mm-hmm. if you have the top teams. Let's just go through the through the top rankings in curling. Retorna is number one. He made the quarterfinals. Botcher, number two, made the quarterfinals. You've got Schwaller out of uh, Switzerland made the quarterfinals. You've got Bruce Mowat out of Scotland made the quarterfinals. Ross White, who's number five, wasn't there. Okay, so that was the one team, as you heard Kevin Cooey say, nine out of the ten came. Right. He couldn't make it for some reason. Number six, Nicodine, he made the quarters. Brad Guju, he made the quarters. Now, number eight, Matt Dunstone did not make the quarters. Cooey did, he's number nine. So who made the quarters instead of Dunstone? Brad Jacobs and Reed Crothers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's hardly a that's that's you know that's hardly a letdown. You know right. what I mean? Right. That was no big big upset. That's your eight teams, Jim. Right. If you can imagine, holy cow! What a final eight! Incredible. Kev, I got a question for you, uh, and maybe Warren can weigh on this too. It was the first year they've done the event. How did they attract all those teams, Kevin? Well, they had uh, Ben Heber getting. Well, I should say Team Botcher, but. But Ben especially was really involved. Okay. So Ben would have done a lot of uh, reaching out because you know, the players are all friends, or for the most part, all friends. Right, right. So, you know, Ben would have reached out to them and, and Mark and, and Brendan and, and Bretton and reached out and got, got them all, making sure they knew uh, the, it was going to be a big purse. And the timing was brilliant. One right. week before a slam in Red Deer. Right. So you show up a little early, you play a great event, and then you pop over to Red Deer to play another. So really good warm-up for Red Deer. What a great field. Really well done. Prize purse was pretty big too, right? So yeah, hundred thousand. Yeah, big purse too. So just uh, had everything going for it, and well done. Congratulations to everybody. Warren, um, I, I want your comments on what Kevin said uh, in the interview we just had with him when I had asked him about where curling is now to where it was, and I, I found it very interesting. I think he was saying, I'm pretty sure, 
that there's a too big a gap between the top teams now and the lesser teams. Does that make sense, Warren? Do you agree with that? Or what do you, what do you say to I'm that? I don't necessarily think it's too big a gap. There is a big gap, I think, as that's his point as well. There's a much bigger gap than there has ever been in time because we've got players now that at the top level are at a different tier, different state in the game than the ones below. You know, back in my day and even in Kevin's time, I mean, there were tons of players in the Ebden area that could win. Back in my time, the city of Edmonton playdowns for four births could have 70 teams in it. And out of those 70 teams, probably 40 of them could win a berth. So it was it was far closer and because nobody was, uh, quote, I suppose, in, in a professional level. There were people who curled more than others, guys like Hector Gervais, Bob Pickering in Saskatchewan. Th- those guys spent most of the winter curling. They were farmers. They could. But there wasn't the training or the practice or the, the type of things that are going on today. So everybody was more or less far more even. Not the case anymore. And we've got not a lot, but a few very, very good teams that are heads and shoulders above everybody else. And so when it comes to provincial level, I'm sure now what a lot of the teams that are below that look at and go like, well, why do I want to go in this for? I'm going to probably end up embarrassing myself because I'm not going to win. And, and so they don't see any point in it. And that's why... I've been saying for a long time there's a need to restructure the whole thing completely because what's happening, I think those teams just below those top, top guys, they're getting discouraged and they're not continuing because there's nothing for them to really compete in that's significant. And that's like this event in in Lloyd Minster. There's a few others across the country that I'd sort of call, as we move forward, they're going to be tier two events. Those are the kind of events that need to be developed and a number of these teams that are up and coming can enter. And that was the case in, in Lloyd Minster. There was 22 teams there. So, I mean, those eight super teams made it, but there was another, you know, 12, 14 teams there that probably gained a lot of experience through that event. And and that's, again, they're not going to be able to play in a Grand Slam, but they can play in that event. So it's a matter of this whole thing needs to be restructured so that there's probably, you're maybe dealing at, in my opinion, probably tier one, tier two, and tier three. And, and so you start to play up through the level and, and maybe some people never even have the desire to become tier one because they simply don't have the time. And and, and, and today, you're almost going to be prepared to dedicate almost 90% of your time to curling if you're going to become one of those tier one players. And maybe you just don't want to go that route. Yeah. It's kind of like if someone invited you to the, I'm a golf fanatic, invited me to the U.S. Amateur. I ain't going. <laughs> you think it might be a bit embarrassing? Yeah, yeah it'd be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Warren, any final thoughts on the Aztec? I just along with Kevin. I think they did a very good job. I'd like to see those sort of, there's a, there's a number of them growing. There's about eight of those what I refer to as tier two events now. They're being run primarily in curling clubs. I think they're they're going in the right direction. I think they can make it a little better, doing things like let's get time clocks involved. It's too bad there wasn't sort of a, a coordinating factor out there that could kind of pull all those events together to be able to do things like timing, maybe even as we get a little further statistics. So they, they, they take another step. But uh, it's going in the right direction with those kind of events out there. Yeah. Cooey's worst nightmare, a stopwatch. <laughs> uh, off to the... Co-op Canadian Open gets underway Tuesday in Red Deer. Uh, it's the fifth slam of the season. Uh, Kev, you'll be down there, of course. Uh, what are we looking at? It's got to be a bunch of guys from Lloyd, I'm sure, who are going to be there. <laughs> well, yes. Um, well, 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 for sure, all of the quarterfinalists, right? 
and including white, of course, and Dunstone and uh, so on. There are lots. Um, terrific field on both the men's and the women's sides. Uh, once again, you know, like I, I just, you know, with the Aztec event and Lloyd said, you know, congratulations. Well, Red Deer has done a fantastic job with ticket sales. I covered that last week where they were at. And of course, tickets just keep on a selling, which is great. The cold snap, it looks like, is going to be gone here Aww. starting tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> so it depends where you're at in the world, everybody. So here, it's been about minus 40 here for the last week uh, or, or more or worse. It's going to warm up all the way to minus 15. So, and of course, people that listen to us from down south in the US or over in Europe, they're going, minus 15. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How can that be good? <laughs> but for us, for us, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. We, but we anyway, get out the sunblock. Yeah, minus 15. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Don't even take gloves and just a light jacket and that kind of temperature. But anyway, so looking forward to it. The crowds will be fantastic. I just, I think it'll be a wonderful event. There's been a lot of work put into it. A terrific committee in Red Deer. Um, so I really look forward to getting down there tomorrow. Got a lot of friends, of course, that that curl in Red Deer and hang around Red Deer. And I go down and play golf quite a bit in Red Deer at the Riverbend course. So I really look forward to this one. I think it's going to be a, an excellent, excellent event, both, of course, on the air, on Sportsnet, um, but also in the building and, and uh, uh, the top of the curling club, which is a very big curling club in, in Red Deer. That's where they're going to have the party place, if you want to call it. Right. Uh, does Cooey need to win this thing, Warren, to get closer to a, a wild card thing? Wild card. I would team. think it would certainly help him because Mike McEwen, I don't think Mike McEwen's in it, is he, Kevin? Oh, no, he is. He is in it. He is in it. So, uh, yeah, if he needs to, hopefully. Well, he's ahead of McEwen right now uh, because of last week. McEwen didn't qualify. So, so Cooey's got a good lead over, over Mike right now and a decent lead over Carruthers. I guess for Cooey, he has to do better than Mike McEwen and Carruthers. Yes, yes. That's, that's his big concern. So it would be good for him to uh, earn enough points this week to put himself firmly in fourth spot, which would ensure him uh, a briar position regardless of whether he wins the provincial or not. Right now, he's leading that charge right now, Cooey. The two guys right on his heels that are in the event, Mike McEwen and Carruthers. So he's got to kind of watch out for them as this event's going on. So it'll be really fun. Well, and Carruthers as well could win Manitoba, probably will, and McEwen could very well and likely will win Saskatchewan. Whatever you think likely, Hanson and Martin, we're going to do our picks. Uh, perhaps I should go first because everyone wants to know that I, once again. Well, after after your outstanding weekend, you, you should definitely be first. Did you actually pick that? Yes, I did. Were you telling the truth, Jim? Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. I was telling <laughs> the truth. Really? You picked Carruthers against Cooey and Cooey to win it. Holy smokers. I did. Do you ever notice that Hanson... Well, because I thought Cooey was so slow, there was a three-and-a-half-hour game. I said, he's going to put the guy to sleep. They'll be fine. Yeah, they're going to kick the shit out of everyone. Excuse me. Uh, do you ever notice that Hanson never brings up who the, the picks are if he doesn't win? Yeah, okay, I have to bring it up. Uh, anyway, we're going to do some picks. Uh, when we got the three of us picking at the start of the event, we go with a total of eight teams. Warren and I pick three each. I'll give you my men and women's picks right now, Warren. Okay, Go. Hammer away. Retornez, Botcher, and Kukui, baby. Okay, he's rolling. Well, you're taking a chance there. No, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> Retornez, Botcher, <laughs> and Kui. Yeah. yeah, not bad picks. Okay. And the women, this is a stretch again. I'm going to go Holman, Jones, and Hasselborg. All right, you uh, stuck your neck out, Jim. So on, on the men's side, I'll go with Gushu, White, and Mowat. 
And on the women, I'll go Gim, Anderson, and Rana. Gim, Vrano, oh, and, and Carrie Anderson. Okay. Yes. Good pick. Okay. Well, Team uh, Unjun Kim making it all the way from number, I think they started the year at my, number 27, all the way up to number eight. So they've had an excellent year so far climbing the rankings. I got to pick them. And the world champs, Taryn Zoni. On the women's side, on the men's side, I've got, well, you got to pick. Crothers is left, for goodness sakes. I got to take Crothers. He's just in the final. And then uh, don't don't ever forget about Nicholas Adin. Yeah, Carruthers, we have to remember who's throwing last rock there now. Yeah, uh, Brad Jacobs, awfully good curler. And he made some fantastic shots on the weekend that I saw. So they're smoking. Hot Rock Topics is brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. Uh, let's take a look at a couple emails. We're in trouble here, Kevin. Okay, some guy's calling us to task. This is from Ian. During the podcast last week, you ran through the events for the previous weekend, including the mixed doubles super series in Halifax. You omitted the Rocky Mountain Curling Classic mixed doubles in Canmore. So why did you omit reporting on the Rocky Mountain Classic, which arguably had a better field and was won by the world champions, Corey and uh, uh, Thiessen and Dropkin? That's from Ian. I think Warren was in charge of that. I emailed him. I emailed him. I said, look, at Kevin and I, no speak of the English. No speak of the English. Talk to Hanson. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes. Well, I already sent Ian a note, but uh, we'll talk about that as to how I determine who we're going to talk about and who we're not, because there's an awful lot going on every week in the world of curling. So we try to cover the key men's and women's events, uh, but focused again on the ones that have uh, a strong international flavor to them. So if there's an event that's got uh, a number of international teams at the top level participating in, we certainly try to cover what's going on with it. Or any event in Canada, men's and women's that are involving the top men's and women's teams. However, in mixed doubles, there's a quite a number of mixed doubles events taking place. So I sort of made a decision at the start of the year that the only one that we would probably report on was the mixed doubles super series because it is truly an international field and it is probably the strongest overall of the mixed doubles events going on. And I think in that same note, uh, Jerry Gertz pointed out that the degree of difficulty ranking for... Uh, for the Halifax event was also a fair amount above the one in in Canmore. Although the one in Canmore had a lot, of, it was Canadian teams with a couple of, of international teams, but it had most of the uh, the top mixed doubles teams in Canada were there. But however, uh, I was aware of it. And again, we're covering a lot of things. So that's been our decision this year. The only mixed doubles event we're going to carry on a weekly basis is the Super Series. Hey, Kevin, and good listener. I think we were just a uh, witness to the biggest and longest session of Sitting on the Fence by Warren Henson. <laughs> Slivers. It's called Sliver Time. Holy cow, man. Jesus. That's a long way to take me downtown, Hanson, for you to apologize to the guy that you couldn't spend four seconds and give the update. Uh, there you go, Ian. Don't hold back. Okay, don't hold back. That's right. Don't hold back. Absolutely.
Okay, let's bomb along. We got a lengthy email here, but it's uh, it's a fun one, pretty interesting one. Um, this is from Sal in, uh, I think it's Sal Guilliardo, I think is the way it is uh, pronounced, Junior. Uh, there's two Sal's. I love the podcast, love watching curling anytime I can and play anytime I can when we travel out of the state, which is Florida. Living in Florida makes it tough to follow and play, and it's not as enjoyable playing on a hockey rink. I would love to build my own curling facility. If only I knew how. <laughs> That'd be handy. I could be connected to resources to help me. I need to be connected. I would greatly appreciate it if you could point someone like me in the right direction or where to start. Wow, what a big, big deal. I'm born and raised in Tampa, Florida, and I've watched my hometown become a hockey town. Kids are growing up watching and playing hockey more than any other sport now. The Tampa Bay Lightning obviously play a decent role in that. But the point is, a winter sport like curling can work and take off in Tampa, Florida, just as hockey did. Build it, and they will come. Unfortunately, I don't have any ghosts helping me build it, like in Field of Dreams. How do I get started? Uh, well, wouldn't it be great to have the, you know, build a curling club? And and I tell you what, if you have a big event in Florida, a lot of the teams will come. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question Isn't about that. that. The truth? Yeah. No question. Um, you know, uh, it's a lot of private money. Now, Warren will be able to jump in on this, but I think down south when a new club gets built, you need to have some private money behind it. But for the most part, the clubs that I've been at, and I've been at quite a few this year, most of them are filled right to the right to the top with curlers. So they're doing pretty well financially. So it's it's an endeavor that's certainly financially feasible to be able to build the club, run it, and show a profit, and be able to pay down the debt. So from a from a business standpoint, um, it it makes a lot of sense. Is there government money? I don't know the answer to that. Warren might be able to jump in and help if there's uh, if there's government money available for building a recreation facility. One thing, though, when it comes to this type of an idea, do you want it to be only a curling club, or would you like to be a facility where there's curling, yes, but also you can have more revenue streams? Now, it could be pickleball, it could be something else, bowling, whatever you think, but also some sort of a, I think, important, some sort of a banquet type facility for weddings and and also uh, events like that. And in that way, you can when you have big events, then all of a sudden the people say, oh, there's a curling club here. Huh. And you might, you know, you get people that way coming out and trying it and that sort of thing. Not to mention just the absolute revenue streams from the, the bar then becomes busier. So you end up with a maybe higher quality chef and help because they get more more money, more tips coming through because you're busier as a catering company. So, so then you've got the sports bar in the middle with the banquet facility. You've got the, the other activity, whatever it might be and curling. And that way you've got a really active uh, building that you can attract a really good uh, kitchen and, and uh, beverage service. All right. There you go. And cash is the other thing you might need. Right to yeah, do it, yeah, but you have some private money. Absolutely, you'll need some of that if there's no uh, government funding. I, I don't know, Warren. Do you know anything about the, uh, the the odds of government funding in the states? I do not. Well, the the one for sure is uh, Shaska. That's uh, that was municipal money project that put that whole club together, uh, and it's very very successful. And I think this is the other thing I would suggest above and beyond what you mentioned, Kevin. I think combining yourself today with pickleball would be an excellent idea and try and build a facility that can be converted back and forth very quickly, which is very doable. And I think the other great idea that Shaska had is the home end of the building is virtually a third-party licensee sports bar. 
And as a result, that place is, is humming uh, continue Kashaska is not a big place, and it's one of the main eating and drinking establishments in the city. So if it's you can, really good too. It's yes. Really good. So if you can bring that kind of a a partner to the party as well. And the one mistake I think Shatska made was they put the sports bar at one end. They should have put viewing at the other end that would be strictly for the curling side of the building, which they haven't, which that creates a bit of a problem. But certainly that would be my thought. I, I would inquire with municipal governments. I would try and find out what third party you could maybe bring in in the way of a sports bar or uh, any kind of another company. And I'd also be looking at Today, pickleball would be the one to uh, to partner with versus bowling. Although I know in the U.S., bowling is a much bigger issue than it is in Canada. But today, pickleball is really the flavor of the day. I love what Kevin said. You could probably have four events a year. And do, do you do you want to go to uh, North Dakota to a curling event if you live in Alberta? Or do you want to go to Tampa? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, very good. That's uh, That's interesting. Hope that helped you, Sal. Uh, what are you hearing? We're hearing a number of fans wondering, and we've had this topic come up uh, from time to time, uh, but it's it's there to stay for sure. number of fans are wondering what Curling Canada should have as the priority and their first responsibility. Is it grassroots development or high-performance curlers? I know, Warren, you're going to have lots to say on this, and so will Kevin. Cooey did too, right? A little bit saying, saying we need a little more at the table. But uh, Warren, what do you say? You go first. Yes, an interesting uh, topic. It's, um, it's a strange time we're in. It's it's Curling Canada seems to be looked to by the sport as being the end-all and be-all and answer to everything. And the development of the old Canadian Curling Association is kind of a an interesting one to bring into this whole story because they came into existence, which at that point in time, they were the Dominion Curling Association in 1935, which was eight years after the Briar, and uh, their main function initially was to standardize the rules. And probably up until McDonald Tobacco left the Briar in 1980, they didn't really get involved with anything to do with the events. They managed various things with the rules. They had a public relations committee, things of that nature, but they weren't involved with the events, and they certainly weren't involved with anything to do much with the high-performance curlers. All the events that existed in those days, the Briar and initially the uh, the Canadian Ladies Championship, the Juniors, they all came to existence because there was a sponsor. And in those days, the sponsors ran the event, they paid for them, and the Canadian Curling Association had little to do with it. And that all changed in the early 80s when McDonald's left, Labatt's came in, Curling Canada, then the Canadian Curling Association, started to have more and more to do with the events. And in many cases... I'll give the mixed as a good example. There was a sponsor there in the way of Seagram's. But once Seagram's left as the sponsor, there was nobody to replace them. And as a result, again, the Kenny Curling Association ended up becoming the sponsor and operating it. So that's kind of how things evolved. In the early 70s, Sport Canada became involved and they started to initially begin to develop programs to standardize coaching and instructing. And as a result, Canada started... Canadian Curling Association started, and ladies started Curl Canada, which was kind of the development arm at that point in time. I was very involved with that. Curling Canada, Curl Canada, initially was the teaching program, then it was coaching, it was ice technicians, it was officiating, it was anything that associated with that end of the, of the game. But in 1990, the old CCA and the old CLC became amalgamated, and as a result, they decided to take Curl Canada into that tent as well that became the new 
Canadian Curling Association. So in my opinion, at that point in time, things became very muddled as to what really was Curling Canada's job and uh, what was the Provincial Association's job. We're at a point now where it seems to be everybody at the provincial level that's associated with the club thinks Curling Canada's total focus should be participation, development, that side of the game. Yet their real mandate from Sport Canada is, as an NSO, they're responsible for determining Canada's representatives to the world's and Olympics. They're responsible for the high-performance athletes. They get a fair amount of money every year that, that's allotted to that specific purpose. Yet, with events like the Scotties and Briar being used to determine those teams, we've got to the point they're not really high-performance events anymore. All the issues with curling clubs, I'm still the opinion, uh, it very much is in the responsibility of the provincial associations more so than Curling Canada, but there's no clear lines being drawn. And I'm, I'm of the opinion there needs to be a, a clear line. Maybe Curling Canada is the key body, but there needs to be sort of like two silos. One is high performance and one is the development, the participation and everything else. And, and I think that's where it's got to go, but how it's going to get there, I have no idea. Well, there's lots there to chew on. Uh, what do you say, Kev? You know, I'm, I guess I'll make my answer a touch shorter. <laughs> yeah, hard to make it short, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, grassroots, high performance and grassroots are both very, very important to our sport. There's no question about that. Which is more important? Not sure. They're both really important. You've got to grow the game. But then the people at the top of the game, you need to have them entertained to draw in more people into the game. So both are very important. Somebody needs to worry about one and somebody needs to worry about the other. And I think it makes the most sense for your national body to look after high performance and your provincial body being that they're local can help grow the game at a grassroots level at the individual clubs and help the clubs. So that's kind of the, my feeling about it is uh, let the national body along with the uh, national Olympic group worry about high performance and, and uh, the, the, the provinces and clubs, but the province can help the clubs and uh, and bring in more curlers into the clubs in various ways. So that that makes sense to me. Yeah, curling's kind of unique, right? Uh, that you've got this curling Canada. I, I you know I always wonder like like can't they do both? High performance. They can, but 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 they need to divide it, and that's the problem. It's all kind of muddled together. Uh, I started talking back two two thousand five six seven about mm-hmm. we reached a point we need to divide, and just the resistance to that was enormous. And right. you know. It, the high performance side is the revenue developing side of the thing as well. I mean, it's the big events that that's where the big events and the on the podium, Sport Canada, IOC, or COC is where the money comes from. Mm-hmm. The money from club assessments and their overall budget is probably less than 5%. So, you know, if you're going to have this developing thing ongoing, nobody ever seems to come up with how we're going to fund it. And right. they've, they've tried to do that numerous times to get the dues up at the provincial level to begin to do with them more things in development, but it always gets voted down because, well, what are you going to use the money for? Right. And well, you can't, you, you got, you got, you got to have the money before you can decide what you're going to do with it. But it's, it's been ongoing for years. And I think it, it needs to come to a head where they need to have two separate silos, in my opinion, very distinctly, one's not connected to the other. So I, I hear their budget's 10 million. That means 500 grand, Warren, you're saying is clubs are, are, they they got to cough up the five hundred, or Curling Canada is only giving clubs five hundred grand. Well, I'm talking about dues. So between the competitors' cards and the dues, which are now two dollars a player a year, you hear that two dollars a player. Jesus. 
they're they're pulling in probably in that end of it's probably about a half a million dollars. And right now their overall budget's probably about ten million. So it's a very small portion. All right. Keep sending those emails, uh, insidecurling at gmail.com, and we'll uh, we'll keep talking about things. Uh, we want to thank Rod Paulson, of course, his company, In-House Strategies, who handles all our Facebook stuff. And he's funny. I like his posts. <laughs> yeah, he's got lots going on there. Join our group. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Again, insidecurling at gmail.com. Thanks a lot to Jackpot City, Coyote, and Goldline, who make all of this possible. Uh, Warren, we're doing a couple of shows eh, later on in the week. We are. This is a slam week, so we'll be doing one taping on Friday night and another one Saturday night. Kev, when do you head down? Uh, I'll get down there. Uh, no, we're taping on Monday night here because I'm going to head down tomorrow. Uh, we've got Curtis Savile and uh, Troy Clara, the pre- the producer and the director, coming into Edmonton tomorrow, and we're going to go down together tomorrow. And then uh, Wednesday, of course, you, know, you want to watch the games and know what's going on for Thursday when the t- televisions turn on. Uh, get a double room, would you, Kev? I may come down there and hang out. I'd be making uh, sure yeah. that uh, there's no double rooms available. I'll keep you up all night, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, thanks a lot, everyone, for listening. And uh, we're going to talk to you later on the week, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, good luck, everybody, in uh, Red Deer. What a what an event to watch with this whole thing with uh, Kevin Cooey having to stay ahead or win. <laughs> uh, I, I think win and you're in, it sounds like. Thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again on Inside Curling. Stay warm. Stay warm. See you, Kevin. See you, Warren. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jimmy.